Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. This is, again, the U.S. Grace Force podcast. I'm Doug Barry, along with my very good friend, Father Richard Heilman. And tonight we've got a recurring guest. He's a little frozen on the screen right now because we just have a picture of him. He's not able to, to do a camera shot tonight. But this is the famous, the world famous Jesse Romero. Going to be talking about how the devil dominates mankind. And good thing for all of us to know, considering we don't want to be dominated by the devil. So we'll break that down. Of course, everything begins with prayer. And of course, Father, that is always your department. Sure. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you very much, Father. And thank you to all of you out there who have been supporting, continue to support the U.S. Grace Force and everything we're trying to do here. Your prayers, your comments, your encouragement always mean everything to us. Thank you so much for that. Times are very serious, as we all know. It's one of the reasons we started the Grace Force podcast going on three years. We're getting close to three years on this, Father. This is incredible. So we're very thankful for all of you out there. Please continue to pray for us. If you'd like to support us through the Patreon program, you can click the link in the description. That is also a powerful way financially to help us keep this going. Ask you to pray about that. If you feel it's a good fit for you, then please, please click that link and help us out. Thank you so much. You're always in our prayers. Uh, also, don't forget to go out to the U.S. Grace Force gear page, the official gear page. Get some great shirts. I've got the uh, I Kneel for God Alone, one of the versions on right now. And Father is wearing, once again, the Get Strong. Yeah. Many other designs out there. Head out to the U.S. Grace Force official gear page. In the description below, you'll find the link. That also is a great way to help us out and sends great messages out to the world. So again, tonight we got Jesse Romero with us, and Jesse's been an old. Oh fan wait, wait, favorite. wait, Doug, oh. Doug, hold just a second. Sure, you bet. Yeah, uh, somebody just showed up. I we got a surprise here for you. Oh, okay. Hold, hold, hold on, hold on. Okay. <laughs> What's this? Come on over here. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey. Who is this? get in that picture there. It's Father Altman. Hey, hey. So I there. I could hardly contain myself because I knew we were going to do this little surprise. I just was coming through and uh, Father graciously joined me for dinner. And so I'm just spending a few moments here, but I, I actually do have to get home tonight. I've been on the road for a few days, but I thought, how could we miss the opportunity to say hello to you and to Jesse? Uh, oh, good to see you. Wow, what a good My what good a friend here. There you go. Yeah. Uh, God awesome. bless you all. Well, hey, uh, he had passed through once before, and he called yeah. me out after he passed through. I said, never, ever do that again. So, so he's <laughs> yeah. passing through again. Yeah. And well, out to dinner we went. So it was oh, awesome. It was. That's fantastic. A lot, of, a lot of lay Catholics call you the King Leonidas of the Catholic Church. <laughs> nice. You? No, you. Oh, me. I'll have to look up King Leonidas then. I, I'll take that as a compliment, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just look at the, just watch the movie 300 from. from uh... Oh, okay. Hey, right. hey everybody. Uh, this is a great time to promote the, the thing in Beloit, right? So. Yeah, what's the name of it again? Do you guys remember? I just, I just know I'm going to be there, but yeah. we're all going to be there. It's some of our hope. Yeah. Hope. Uh... Yeah, we're finding yeah. hope in the desert. Finding Hope in the Desert, yes, yeah. and it's June 23rd in Beloit, Wisconsin. Right. Uh, Google that, all right? Right. But right. he's going to be there, and Jesse, you're, he's like the lead uh, speaker for that. And, and then I'm, we'll I'm, I'm going to be an honored guest in the audience. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Can't wait to see you, Father. 
Yeah, oh gosh, I can't wait to go. Great. Yeah, no, I, I won't. But be to support a lot of the the guys that it got canceled, and so yeah, that's going to be uh, a great event. Yeah, I'm yeah. hoping the desert, June twenty third, twenty fourth, I believe. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yep. I'm going to be there the twenty third. Yeah, what? I won't be able to make it because I've got to be getting ready for my because we have the premiere of our doomed to repeat. That's film, right. That's right. Which, yeah. Which father and Altman, I got to still looking for a confirmation too. for you to be there. I know you yeah. haven't said yes no, for sure. It, I'm supposed to be there, right? Yeah, June 25th. We invited you. I just didn't get a confirmation yet. Well, let, let me check my phone because I think you're on there. Just that. All right. That sounds great. <laughs> we can hold it up. So yeah, how about those Packers? Yeah. Well, hey, they're looking good this year. Yeah. 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 And by the way, oh, Father, uh, Father Holman, I know you were invited and you're not going to be able to make it. That, I, mean, I can't. I got a family obligation. Right, right. Yeah. But then Father Altman and I are both going to be June 11th in Columbia, Tennessee, and yes. people can go check that out on my Facebook page, Doug Berry Facebook page. There's a post on there in recent days. I Columbia, couldn't make Tennessee, that one either. I was going to be there. 11th. Doug, is yeah. this in Dallas? It's in oh, Dallas, June 25th oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, and 26th. There, you can confirm. There's Dallas, the 25th and 26th of June. He's coming. All right. I'm there. Father Altman's going to be at the <laughs> premiere. Doomed to repeat it. Yeah. 25th, 26th Yeah, next in time, Dallas. tell him. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, next, exactly. time, next time, tell him you're coming. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, there you go. You're, it's confirmed. It's on the official calendar. Darn! Now I want to go. Oh, that's awesome! Awesome. Uh, it Thank wasn't so it. much because of Doug, but now that he's going. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I understand yeah. that. Yeah. Well, that listen, makes sense. You, you have a show to do. I just want to say hello. Say Thanks. hello to all of you. Say hello to my my beloved uh, Father Hallman here. Uh, who's been my hero for so many oh, years shut now. Up, shut yeah, up. He's he's a man. He's holy. You're uh, the holy. Yes. Oh, oh no, you're you're the holy one. So oh. although, although if somebody just told me you're, I'm about to get martyred. So I'm gonna cut a little piece of my hair and see those those relics. relics. In the back. Yeah, yeah. Just I got I'm gonna he's leaving Altman relics tonight. So uh. that's, right, that's a good idea. Yeah. There you go. Well, God bless you all, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And may tonight's whole broadcast be blessed. Thank you. Thank you very much, right. Father. Thank you, Father. You. Always good to see you. Yeah, Thank yeah. you for le letting me uh, uh, barge in uh, one <laughs> barge. of those cameos. Barge. <laughs> uh, all right. God bless everyone. All right. Awesome. Bye -bye. Thank, Thank you, Father. <laughs> well, that was a surprise and a half. Yeah, we didn't even no tell idea. Doug and Jesse, though, <laughs> that he was here. That was awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, the <laughs> devil dominating mankind. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's gone. So, yeah. so he, he you know, Father, you and I had been talking about, you know, just, just the, the direction everything's going in the world, yeah. just the way everything feels. And I know you've been using the terms rage and division, that term yes. rage and division. You know, we see Roe v. Wade getting out of hand. You know, people get, well, it's going to be overturned, it looks like. And as Father Pavone told us last week, about 20 states immediately, there's going to be great response. About 20 are going to hold, hold strong in favor of abortion. And about 10 in the middle, they're probably going to lean more towards pro-life effort. So we got diabolical retaliation going on. We've got yep. all types of threats. You know, Ruth sent us, you know, tabernacle being stolen in Katy, Texas, blessed sacrament, you know, being, being abused, all these types of things happening. And Jesse is a, your perfect guest to have on to help discuss what's going on with the devil you know, being unleashed and, and obviously, uh, you know, none of us know the mind of God, but you have a great insight into the domination that the devil has over mankind, why that happens, how that unfolds. So, I mean, Jess, we just started, if you could just kind of give us a rundown, your, your estimation of what's going on 
and how you see this unfolding, you know, how the devil might be exploiting this time period right now uh, with the Roe situation and many other areas uh, in society. So the tell us what you think, my friend. The devil's involved in politics. That's right in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 407. Uh, it tells us that de the devil has acquired a certain domination over education, check, politics, check, social action, check, and morals, check. So the church has told us the way the devil infiltrates into society. The fourfold attack of Satan, education, politics, social action, and morals. Father Gabriel Amorth, rest in peace, before he passed away, he did, he did an interview. And he said that specifically the devil likes to go after politicians. Why? They're power players. Because when he, when, he, when he takes over a politician, when he when he diabolically afflicts a politician, what happens is he's able to maximize damage through that politician. Right now, you could see the rise of Satanism in our country. I'll give you an example of something some things that we've never seen before. And right now it's, 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 we're fighting this from city to city, from state to state. What are we fighting? Well, the rise of Satanism has, is so in your face right now. They've instituted after school Satan clubs in many public schools around the country. Wow. Where they give, you know, they but give, you can't pray. No, no, you don't, you can't pray, you know, have an after school Bible club. But you can have an after-school Satan club in many public schools. They give the kids coloring books. They, the Satanists babysit them until their parents pick them up. And they indoctrinate them with, uh, with these coloring books with, satanic, with, with the satanic dogmas. You also can see that at Amazon.com and Walmart.com, uh, you, you can find a satanic Bible there, satanic coloring book. You can buy uh, pentagrams to wear around your neck from Amazon or Walmart. Also, the, the infiltration of Satanism in our society, that uh, Satanists are seeking legal protection right now for abortion because they, they, they consider abortion a sacrament, a religious practice. So they're fighting along with the Democrat Party to keep Roe in place. And the Satanists are arguing from a religious vantage point. They're saying, this is our religious practice. We also see the rise in Satanism in our society. There's many city councils across the country that are commencing their meetings with a prayer to Satan, offered by a member of, of the council who's a practicing Satanist. We also know this has been going on for decades, that the Satanism controls uh, Hollywood, the hip-hop, rap music industry, along with the heavy metal industry. That's been op open for decades. That's nothing new. But uh, you also see in the last couple of Super Bowls that I haven't watched any longer because the last couple of Super Bowl performances they're all laced with satanic performances during the halftime shows I, I, I watch it on Monday I watch it on YouTube and I see what they're doing and it's outrageous that they've mainstreamed Satanism in the Super Bowl halftime shows we've also seen Satanism has these guys have erected statues around the country uh, I know here in Phoenix, I was the, the Knights of Columbus. We put the, the nativity scene in the state capitol for uh, ten days prior to Christmas, and the Satanists they got permission as well to put uh, a satanic nativity scene about twenty five feet away from us, uh, right in front of the state capitol as well. And so uh, we also see Satanists as military chaplains, as prison chaplains. 
We've also seen them ad adopting parts of freeways, uh, you know, like a two mile section where the Temple of Satan will, will, will adopt a certain part of the freeway. This way they curry favor with politicians. And to show you how in your face these Satanists have gotten, they tried to consecrate the city of Scottsdale three months ago, which is of the Diocese of Phoenix. Uh, they had the first satanic conference, it was a three-day conference, and thanks be to God, there was a great Catholic response in doing prayers of reparation, but uh, th these are just some of the ways they're trying to, they're going after our kids, they're not even hiding anymore, they're going after our children. You know, uh, Jesse, we just had that Texas school shooting, and I ca I've been remarking because, you know, you listen to the news and, and commentators, and at least a handful pointed out that um, there's a spiritual disconnect. I, I'm not sure that's the word they used in our societies, but there's a, there's a void of spiritual. And, and, and I, I'm in that school of thought that we disconnected from the divine life, from the supernatural strength of God. And so, and, and this gets to that quote I, I always want to quote, is uh, we maintain the peace through our strength. Weakness only invites aggression. You know, I, I, we just spent, uh, um, so we're, we're recording this on Tuesday night. It happens to be the Feast of the Visitation. And we did 90 days to peace up until this feast. And today is our consecration day. I actually ha had the good fortune to go up and uh, meet with Cardinal Burke today. And I was at the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And uh, I got to do my consecration there. But uh, it's time. It's time for us, I believe, to get strong. And that's the shirt I'm wearing tonight. Um, that, and what does that mean? It means that we've got to get as well connected to God as we can. There's a spiritual disconnect going on. And when that happens, then we're easily manipulated by the devil and the devil has easy access. And to me, that's what's going on right now in our culture. And that's what people were pointing out with the school shooter and other things that have been going on, I would say in the last 10 years for sure. Uh, but but uh, there just seems like the, this volcanic eruption of evil. You pointed out the Super Bowl halftime shows, I mean, even holiday parades. And what they're doing is they're trying to make it a fad, a trend, uh, among young people especially, and it's working. Um, I was talking with someone who was um, part of intelligence out in Washington, D.C., and he contends that Satanism is rampant. I mean, it's it's just a, it's it's widespread throughout Washington, D.C., but it's not just Washington, D.C., it's, it's everywhere. And so at what point are we going to say, okay, it's time for us to, you know, stop just shopping and golfing and to get back into our faith? And I think, I think that watching this horror erupt all around us is awakening people right now and, and saying, we've got to get stronger. We've got to get more spiritual, more a sense of the supernatural if we're ever thinking of uh, standing against this, this powerful influx of evil that's going on in our time. Jesse, what do you think about the, that whole idea? I mean, and, 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 and do you have any ideas about what, what, are, what do we do? I mean, what's our first step? What's, uh, how, do we, how do we get that revival going again in our country that, that returned to the Lord? Father, Jesus Christ left the Catholic Church in charge, not the Republicans or the Democrats or uh, the United Nations or the World you know, Economic Forum 
he left the Catholic Church in charge as the arbiters of morality, as the pillar and foundation of truth, as the Bible says in 1 Timothy 3.15. And so the, the Catholic Church is supposed to be the moral conscience of government. But unfortunately, here's the problem is, is that right now, we ourselves have been infiltrated as well. And so we're dealing with, we're dealing with, it's like, uh, when I talk about infiltration, even satanic infiltration, it's like, it's like uh, stepping on tar, you know, try to, try to, you know, wash it off, uh, you know, with the water hose. Good luck. I mean, you got to take your boot off. You got to bring, you know, Ajax, SOS pads, you know, et cetera, et cetera. We, what's, even in the Catholic Church, Father, the problem is, is that we've been infiltrated. And I'll just give you kind of a, a macro picture of what I'm saying. You have Pope Leo the Thirteenth back in 1884. He had a, he had a, he heard a conversation between God and the devil, and the devil uh, purportedly asked the Lord uh, for 75 to 100 years that he needed in order to destroy the Catholic Church, and God uh, granted him his request. Then let's move on a little bit down the road. In 1972, Pope Paul VI uh, said that, quote, the darkness of Satan has entered and spread throughout the Catholic Church, even to its summit. Summit, that's the top. Then let's move, let's, uh, move down a couple more years. Pope John Paul II, when he was Cardinal Wojtyla in 1976, he said, we are now facing the final confrontation between the church and the anti-church. The gospel versus the anti-gospel between Christ and the Antichrist. He says the confrontation lies within the plans of divine providence. It is therefore in God's plan. And it must be a trial which the church must take up and face courageously. Move a couple of years more. Bishop Fulton Sheen, 1979. He says the world is being divided into two camps. The comradeship of the Antichrist and the brotherhood of Christ. He says, the lines between these two are being drawn. How long the battle will, will be, we know not. Whether swords will have to be unsheathed or not, whether there will be blood or not, we don't know. Whether it's an armed conflict or not, we don't know. But there's a conflict between truth and darkness, and truth cannot lose. Even in more recent times, you've had Cardinal Burke. Back in uh, a couple of years ago, he said that diabolical forces enter St. Peter's Basilica through the Pachamama idolatry committed on sacred grounds in front of the Pope. And uh, also in recent times, you had uh, the chief exorcist, Father Gabriel Amort, the chief exorcist of Rome. He said, quote, the devil is in the Vatican. I mean, we're talking about big names here. Amorth, mm -hmm. uh, Pope Paul, John Paul II, Pope Paul VI, Pope Leo XIII, Cardinal Burke. These aren't lightweights here. They've warned us that even the church has been compromised in some way, shape, or form. And so what we have to do now, I tell Catholics, we got to think like Minutemen, find a good parish, find a good holy priest and, and get plugged into a parish and make sure that you as a Catholic, because what are lay Catholics called to do? We're called to do our daily duties according to our state in life. And that's all we can do. I'm called to be a holy dad, a holy grandfather, a holy brother, a holy friend. And I'm, and I'm called again. Uh, to offer my sufferings. All of us are going through some type of suffering as a result of what we're seeing happening in the church. And we're also called to evangelize until we drop dead. We're, we're, what is evangelization? We are in a ship. A few of us are in a ship, not many. Catholic Church is a big battleship. Most people are drowning in shark-infested waters, including our family and friends and, and many yes. Catholics. 
what we are called to do evangelization is to share the good news of Jesus Christ in such a way that you're able to throw a lifesaver at them so they can grab onto it and we can pull them into the ship. That's what we're called to do. I can't change Washington. Neither can you. I can't change the governor's mansion. I can't change the United Nations. I can't change the Vatican. I can change Jess Romero. I can affect my family. I can affect myself. I can affect my parish. I can affect my neighborhood. If Catholics start thinking micro, 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 we can, uh, we can turn this ship around. Yeah. You know, Jesse, everything you're saying just reminds me. Yeah. I think about, um, you know, just the, the great saints, the stories of, of how they just stuck to the grinding it out every day. You know, you think of St. Patrick, I got the Ireland hat going here, you know, just grinding it out every day, offering the sacrifice, the sufferings. He was enslaved. He comes back. He drives the snakes out, the serpents out, but it's the constant grinding it out every day. It's, it's, uh, it's age old. It is the prayer life. It is the sacramental life. It is, as you said, focusing on just um, working on the interior of, of, of ourselves, you know, the, the ones we have control over. Um, and I think it's hard, and, and Jesse, speak to this if you can a little bit, because it is hard, human nature. We want to see something. We want to find that silver bullet. We want to have that one thing that just makes it all right. You know, we want to have take that one shot, take that one pill that's just going to fix everything without the hard work. You know, you were in the, in the so ring true. for many years. Was that, Father? So true. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, Jess was in the ring for many years as a fighter, as a boxer, a kickboxer. You know, you've been in martial arts and all this, and you know that you've got to get in and you got to train and train and train and train. You got to get the run in. You got to, you got to, you got to run the drills. Talk about the importance of grinding it out with perseverance. That passage right. in scripture that those who persevere will find salvation, that it's not about the silver bullet, the secret pill, the secret whatever that's going to fix the problems it's us grinding it out every day just talk about that yeah that's the difference especially between catholics and protestants and and specifically the prosperity gospel protestants you know the uh, the td jakes the benny hens the uh joel Osteen, uh even even a lot of even oftentimes a lot of uh, charismatics in the catholic church in our own church again they they sometimes buy into the prosperity gospel and that's dangerous because Jesus is very clear, our Lord is very clear, that again, you know, what, there's not, there's not going to be an Easter Sunday without Good Friday. And, and a lot of people are, are, are looking for this uh, panacea, you know, this, this, uh, you, you know this, ut this utopian plan. But here's what the church has actually said about what were the times that we're living in right now, the end of times, the end of the ages. In paragraph 675 of the catechism, here's what it says, okay? It doesn't say before Jesus comes back, you're all going to feel good. You're all going to have a liver quiver. You're all going to raise your hands, you know, and praise God, and everything's going to be great as you strum your electric guitars. It doesn't say that. Here's what the catechism says, what's going to happen before the second coming of Christ. It says, before Christ's second coming, the church must pass through a final trial that will shake the faith of many believers. The persecution that accompanies her pilgrimage on earth, notice, persecution, persecution that accompanies her pilgrimage on earth will unveil the mystery of iniquity. In other words, the mystery of sin. What is that? Oftentimes, the mystery of iniquity in, in tradition, that's a reference to the Antichrist. It says, in the form 
of a religious deception offering men an apparent solution to their problems. So I'm going to just take that sentence of the catechism right there. A religious deception offering men an apparent solution to their problems. To me, that's communism. To me, that's mm. socialism. To me, that's the Great Reset. We're seeing right now the Great, the great Reset, uh, these, these uh, panic porn oligarchs, what they want to do is they want to engender so much fear in people that you do whatever they say. Put a mask on. Stand six feet apart. Roll up your sleeve. Get the fourth jab. Now a booster. Now a second booster. Oh, here comes the Omicron. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, here comes the monkeypox. In other words, they want to control us. And if you see the way the Great Reset and these, these, uh, these medical dictators operate, and, and, and Biden as well, who's part of this, it's a religion to them. They're, again, what are they, what are they, what are they enshrined? Their religion, their, their sacrament is abortion. And, and they have, again, uh, their, their priests are the doctors that are under, uh, Fauci's the high priest. Uh, Biden is, 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 you know, one of, one of the, you know, overlords. But, but you see, they're trying to, you can't go to church, you've got to lock down. What they're trying to do is they're trying to give some type of a quasi-religion here on planet Earth through fear. And the catechism says that this is an apparent solution, apparent solution. It says at the price of apostasy from the truth. How many Catholics have left the faith, the one true faith, as a result of listening to Biden and Fauci and Klaus Schwab and all these other uh, self-appointed uh, medical popes, uh, or again, who are trying to, to give us a parallel religion here on planet Earth. Many Catholics have apostatized from the truth. Why do I say that? Before this COVID pandemic, scandemic, you had 22 to 23% of Catholics going to Mass on Sunday. Right now, you have about 10 to 13% of Catholics going to Mass on Sunday. Oh. That's not a statistic. That's a tragedy. Then the Catechism ends the last sentence. The supreme religious deception is that of the Antichrist. A pseudo-Messianism by which man glorifies himself in the place of God and of his Messiah come in the flesh. Mm. All, all, when you listen to a lot of the great minds of the church, Vigano, Schneider, Mueller, uh, Cardinal Ratzinger, Pope Benedict, all, these four names in different interviews in the last five years have said everything that's happening right now is happening as a result of the spirit of the Antichrist. Mm. You know, it's interesting that you use the, mm -hmm. the, the amount of five years. So we're 2022. What was five years ago? 2017. I happen to be in the school of thought, and I'd like your opinion too on this, Jesse. I happen to be in the school of thought that we endured the 100 years of the unbinding of Satan from 1917, which was 33 years after Pope Leo XIII's vision of uh, Satan requesting 100 years. In 1884, uh, it was 33 years almost, it was to the day, it was October 13th. Uh, and so the ticking clock, and again, I'm in the school of thought, started October 13th with the miracle of the sun, uh, the great warning, and then went to 2017. So one then, one then asks themselves, what's going on now? I'm in this school of thought. 
that I think that Satan is in full-on panic. He's throwing the kitchen sink at us right now uh, to try to uh, regain his power. He's doing everything. But you know what he's doing? And this is a little different than, than he's used, used to doing. He's doing it under the full sun, the light of day. And, and, and so what he's doing is uh, he's uh, developing his demise uh, because the awakening, and again, if help me understand, but if I look back on history, it seems that this is the way it's gone in the past. When evil gets crazy wild and in a panic mode, a temper tantrum, and, and, and just gets in your face and doesn't care if you see him or not, all of a sudden, everybody who was sleeping wakes up. And I think, I just think that's the period we're in right now. How horrible could it get? I mean, just in the last five years, right? I, I, I keep using the, 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 the uh, shocking example of I have to sit and watch a grown man walk into a little girl, follow a little girl into her bathroom. You know, that's very recent. That's within the last five years, really. Okay. That kind of thing. Uh, I have to use the proper pronoun. I mean, you could go on and on and on. The kitchen sink in the last five years. Uh, Jesse, where are you at with that? Uh, that's that's my theory. That's the school of thought I'm in. Where are you? Well, the good news about that is, is, is I believe that the reign of... Uh, I, I'm tracking with you, Father. I believe that the 100-year reign is over. And now as a result of that, as it says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 12, it says uh, the devil is, is ferocious because he knows his time is short. Right. Yeah, that's, that's the verse right now that speaks to me right now. Right. His time is short, and so he's ferocious because I believe what's happening, and, and God always has a remnant upon the earth, and the remnant are picking up the rosaries. The remnant is go are, yes. are, 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 are plugging into the sacraments, a life of prayer, constant prayer, uh, and a pursuit of holiness. And so we know this. We know that before the, before the second coming of Christ, we are going to have the reign of Mary, the, the Blessed Virgin Mary. And I, I, I believe that this escalation of satanic activity it, and is driving more and more people to play, pray the daily rosary and to consecrate themselves to Our Lady. I believe that we're going to see the, the, uh, the reign of the Blessed Mother in short time. I agree. Yeah, I know when we had Father Ripperger on a while back, a few months back, we asked him about that, the, you know, the, um, the, the triumph of Mary's Immaculate Heart, what that would look like. And if he thought there'd be any, I use the term collateral damage or fallout from that. And he spoke uh, pretty clearly that he thought, yeah, the, you know, the, the retaliation of the enemy, the, the, the vile nature of the enemy, not wanting that head crushing to occur, of course, is going to cause him to respond in you know pretty vile and hostile ways, um, and you know I mean Jesse, I know you follow you know many of the prophecies as well. The Blessed Mother, she's been very clear. The Church-approved prophecies, where she's been very very clear that God is not happy with mankind. I'm thinking of Akita, 1973, and thus He is preparing a great chastisement for the world. We don't know the mind of God, obviously, or the time frame for these types of things. But there's so much talk out there right now, and I think a lot of people are 
you know, looking for voices, you're definitely one of those voices that can help give some calm or some reason to put things in perspective, you know, regarding some of these prophecies and these warnings, um, you know, and, and I, I'm not asking you to say exactly what you think this is going to look like, but because there's a lot of what ifs, you know, but what do you think this is going to look like? <laughs> I don't want to wait. I'm not going to ask you to tell me what you think it looks like, but what do you think it's going to look like? But when it comes to the things that we're seeing right now, in particular, the war between Russia and Ukraine and the constant threat that this is going to expand, the food shortage issue, um, you know, and then, of course, the shootings. And now at the time we record this, Justin Trudeau is pushing for banning, you know, all handguns pretty much being sold or transferred or brought in in Canada and mandatory buyback, which is just one step away from flat out confiscation. Uh, of other rifles, ARs, and so forth up in, in Canada. U.S., of course, you've got you know, people on the left pushing for that kind of stuff. And we always know what happens when they, they want to disarm somebody. It's, there's an old saying, it's because they're about to do something that you, you might shoot them for. And obviously, we're not advocating that at all. That's not what we're saying. That's just an old saying. But the government wanting to restrict us, get, get us having the ability to protect and defend ourselves on a natural level in addition to the rage and division that Father talks about, the chaos in the streets and so forth, the rise of, of, of just the insanity that's out there. What do you see? How do you see this, even in the next few months? Just maybe your take on this stuff. You know, Zelensky comes out about a week ago and says, we have 10 weeks left of wheat and mass starvation by mid-late summer is going to start hitting places like Asia, Africa. What do, you, what do you make of all this in the near future, just your, your, your look at this. I, I look at it with the eyes of the saints and the Catholic church. You'll find the saints in the Catholic church. When they read the old Testament, they read the old Testament with new Testament eyes. So in other words, Israel is always the church and uh, the enemies of Israel are the enemies of the church. So just take a look at what happened to Israel, specifically Jerusalem in the last days. Uh, only a remnant was saved. Only few people were saved. When, uh, when the Jews were told by an angel, the, the tradition is, is that an angel came to tell the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem that the Roman soldiers were going to come in and attack and slaughter them and destroy the temple. And the, and the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians, they fled Jerusalem. They left Jerusalem. And they went north about 60 miles to a city called Pella. And from there, they watched as, as 20,000 Roman soldiers came and decimated 1 million Jews and made a bloodbath of Jerusalem and destroyed the temple of Jerusalem. A remnant was saved. Same thing is happening right now. Uh, the, the, the catechism is very clear. The church is going to go through a persecution. And Jesus says that if, if he would take too long to come, even the elect would not be saved. Uh, and so nobody's going to escape this persecution. Nobody's going to escape it. We just have to pray for the grace to be able to endure it. Because when you look at the Old Testament, the Old Testament says that a remnant was saved in the Old Testament. And you look at the New Testament, it says the same thing. Romans 11.5, it says, so at the present time, there's a remnant a chosen by grace. Romans 9.27, though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sands of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved. 
Forget about Israel. Israel is the Catholic Church now, more than you, Israel. So whatever it says in the Old Testament about who's going to be saved, that's a reference to the Roman Catholic Church. We are the new Israel of God. And the Old Testament Church, it says it, it says it, a remnant was saved. A remnant was saved. Same with the New Testament Church. This is why evangelization is so important because we're not in the business of saving anybody. God is in the business of saving. We are just the messengers. We got to get the message out there. And it's up to people individually to open their hearts and receive that message. Grab that lifesaver and get pulled off from the shark-infested waters. And we're called to bring people into this big battleship called the Catholic Church. But let's not fool ourselves. Let's not fool ourselves with this whole universal salvation garbage. This is not taught in scripture. And I think, you know, God bless Dr. Ralph Martin. He actually wrote a book just destroying this whole argument. It's called, Will Many Be Saved? And basically he went after, you know, Origen, Von Balthazar, Bultmann, and everybody else who's, who's flirting with universal salvation that everybody will be saved. Ralph Martin destroyed that argument because, again, when you look at the fathers of the church, very clearly, St. Thomas Aquinas says, quote, there are a select few who are saved. St. Augustine, it is certain that few are saved. And when you go to the Gospels, forget about the, even the just go right to Jesus. Four times he's asked, three times in Matthew and once in Luke about salvation. So he's asked four times, and it's documented. Every time he's asked about salvation, for example, Matthew 7, 13. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Matthew twenty-two fourteen. Many are called, few are chosen. Few will be saved. It's our I tell people, my friends, people at the parish. I said, make sure you're one of those few. Make sure you're part of the remnant. And make sure you're evangelizing and praying for people and throwing out those lifesaver jackets to, the, to our fellow Catholics who are drowning in shark-infested waters. Yeah, the lifesaver, I love that image. But we've got to grab hold of it for ourselves first. And, and that's what we've been talking about, too, is that you can't give away what you don't have. Amen. And so we've got to embrace what God desperately wants to give us, the supernatural power of grace. But what is that when you break it all down? It's a, it's a real, real uh, devoted love. But what is love? Love is a self-forgetting, a selflessness, an urgency to want to lift everybody up all around you. I want to put out a caution to all of our listeners because this is something that I think get, has gotten into those who originally sought to become a, a devout Catholic. And that is a, a level of uh, spiritual narcissism uh, or elitism. And, and, and I'm, I'm seeing it at an alarming rate where, where people, it, it's, it, it, it appears, maybe you see the veil or the suit on Sunday and, and whatever. And I'm not knocking that at all. I think everybody should veil in your word. But, but what I'm seeing is, is not an urgency to want to reach out and, and lift up and, and infuse others with the grace that you've been given, but instead more of, look uh, how devout I am. And look, good thing I'm not like you. Uh, I'll pick on, uh, you know, Brad Treads, new novus ordite or something like that. 
uh, and it, it's that pride that has gotten in, and that's the that was the that's the remnant, and 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 Satan has put the poison pill of pride in many of them, and so please, please, uh, and that's why too we spent time and we we just finished ninety days. You know, I urge people to just keep going, do another ninety days, because do it for the rest of your life. But I'm holding this up because we use this as a tool, this journal, uh, peace through strength journal. But um, but what do we do? We said, let's take 15 minutes. We, we also built the discipline of our, our faith life, the, the prayer of all the saints, you know, do the morning offering, do the angelus, pray the rosary each day, build that in. Uh, but it's not about building our personal brand. It's about leading other people to the loving arms of God. And I always tell people too, start with smiling at other people. That opens a door that says, come into my space, okay? You're welcome into my space because I'm smiling at you. See? And 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 so what do you need? In other words, <clears throat> what can I do for you? You know, what what what's 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 uh ailing you uh spiritually, psychologically, physically? Uh what what can I do for you? Is even the smile or the or the kind comment or whatever it is, but my point and I I know that might sound superficial to talk in those terms. But honestly, I think it's it's the the deepest kind of perspective of what faith is all about. It's that agape love. So when Christ truly gets in us, then we are Christ for others. And when we're Christ for others, it's not about making sure everybody sees how devout I am. No, it's about an urgency to love, an urgency to help, an urgency to reach out. And then what happens is then it grows. Then the next person gets caught in love with God because they get it. They, we've helped them understand this is the essence of what it means to live, to, to be a child of God, the fulfillment of all you were created for, right? And so now they it clicks for them. Then they can go out and help others let it click for them. And what do you have? You've got a self-forgetting, selfless society. Frankly, I was just with Cardinal Burke today and we were just talking about stuff. He said he grew up in the 50s. He said it was pretty much like that growing up. Everybody just took care of everybody else. Not so much today. Not so much today. Uh, and so I think uh, you guys, and, and I'll, I'll point this at Jesse right now, but I think this is where we need to put, this is the basket we need to put our eggs in, is to help people to come really, really close in love with God. And we do it the way the saints did. And that's why, too, one of the one of the more profound ways is mental prayer, but also mental prayer that can be done before the Blessed Sacrament in adoration. Uh, all those ways. I always think now it just popped in my head. My mom was a daily mass goer. She was pure agape love. I mean, just an urgency to help other people. Don't worry about me. What do you need? You know, she, she's and you 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 were shocked by that. But but you, when you saw that, you went, I get it, I get it. That's how we're all supposed to be. You know, and then what you're doing is you're building the kingdom of God. You're letting that spread like wildfire all around us. Jesse, can you comment on what I just said? Yeah, Father, you said something very important. This is why it was so evil when they were they masked the entire world. Because one of the ways that you demonstrate, one of the basic ways to evangelize is to smile at somebody. They say, well, that guy, right. came out. That, guy has, that guy has joy. When you smile at people, that that's that's already the first step to evangelization well guess what uh these globalists try to cover our face for two years exactly still trying to cover it in many places and, and this i is would walk up to people in the grocery store and say 
Uh, just so you know, I'm smiling right now. <laughs> yeah. But I, I've even heard a, doc, a doctor friend told me, he goes, Jess, it takes 43 muscles to frown, but it only takes 17 muscles to smile. So smiling actually takes less effort than frowning. And uh, again, I think that the Bible even talks about uh, a cheerful look. It says in Proverbs 1530, it says a cheerful glance and look brings joy to the heart of another. So that's exactly what you just said, Father. Uh, and, and, and as Catholics, you're, you're right. Uh, too many Catholics have, have broken up into little clans. You know, I'm in the I'm in the Legion of Mary clan, and I don't do nothing else but the Legion of Mary. Yeah, somebody uh, used a great word, tribalism. Clans is uh, it's synonymous. I'm yeah, in the trad clan. I do nothing other than whatever the trad trad parish says. I'm in I'm, I'm in the uh, uh, the elite. Yeah, I'm in the uh, Cursillo clan. I do nothing but whatever whatever the Cursillo movement tells me to do. We got to quit thinking like that. I Jesus, know. Jesus Christ is the author and perfecter of our faith. Last time I read the Bible, he's the one that started the Catholic Church. Now, whatever gets you to the arms of Christ, uh, go for it. But again, we we have to be uh, we, we have to be as Saint Augustine says. He says, "In the essentials, unity." What's the essentials? Christ, the creed, the sacraments. That's the essentials. In the essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, in other words, how you get there, liberty. You got there through the Guadalupe, you know, Guadalupanas. You got there through the Acts movement. You got there through uh, the Apologetics movement. In, in, in the non-essentials, liberty, but in all things, charity. As Catholics, it's, it's, not, it, it's not what route, road you take that makes it the perfect way to get there. It's getting there. And there's many roads in the, in the Catholic Church. People come to Christ through the rosary. They come to Christ through adoration. They come to Christ through divine mercy. They come to Christ through studying scripture. They come to Christ through, again, the Crucio movement, the marriage encounter. Whatever gets you to Jesus... Uh, it's, it's a good thing. And so the Catholic Church, it's got, ma it's got many roads, but it, it all leads to the cross. It all leads to the person of Christ. And that's exactly what, as Catholics, if we want to be able to bring people into the church, we have to have, they got to see that we're joyful warriors. That's, yes. that's the term that Bishop uh, Olmsted uses in his document, uh, Into the Breach. Joyful warriors. In fact, that's a, that's a term that's used in the book of Maccabees. The Maccabean brothers, they were joyful in, 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 in the midst of war. And so when people say like, wow, yeah, they're struggling just like I am, man, but they, there's something inside of them that makes them different in the midst of the struggle. Yeah, what's, what's, what's different? It's Christ in us, the hope of glory, Colossians 127. All right. So I think a question people might be asking, Jesse, how does one acquire Christ within them? I mean, simply put, you know, because there are people out there, they're, they're going to Mass faithfully on Sundays, maybe even praying a rosary periodically, if not regularly, and they still struggle with that gift of joy, that, that gift that wants to come out, like, you know, both of you have just talked about. You know, I have a t-shirt that says Grumpa on it. <laughs> it says, just like a regular grandpa, only grumpier, and still <laughs> everybody loves him. So it's... <laughs> You're one of the most I, joyful guys I've ever met, Doug. Oh, but I have that look on my face sometimes like I'm just <laughs> upset. <laughs> and I get accused of that. Doug, are you in a bad mood? No, I'm not, actually. I'm fine. <laughs> but there are people out there who they really do struggle with trying to find that sense of joy. Um, and it isn't something that we can make ourselves, obviously. And, and you know, you both referenced the fact that we need to have Christ in us. So, I mean, Jess, and then Father, your comment too. I mean, it, I mean, for the average person out there who's struggling with trying to find that 
oh, that joy. Like, how, I don't want to smile at people. I don't like most people. You know, some people <laughs> feel that way, you know? Yeah. Um, well, how do we get started at least? I mean, I'll, I'm, I'll just say this. I'll just say this real quick. And then I'll pass it to you, Jess. Is this, I heard a priest say to me years ago, he said, pray for the grace to want joy. Pray right. for the grace to want to love God. So Jess, your, your take on that. There's a prayer that I do every morning. It's part of my morning prayers. It was, a, it was written by a cardinal, I think Cardinal Mercier, like a hundred years ago. It's called, a, it's, it's a prayer of the Holy Spirit, but it's a prayer that he wrote. He says it's, it's a prayer uh, for holiness and happiness. So it, it's a prayer, you can find it on the internet. By Cardinal Mercier, it's called uh, Prayer of the Holy Spirit for holiness and happiness. It's a simple prayer. In my, I say, O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, I adore you. Enlighten me, guide me, strengthen me, console me. Tell me what I should do. Give me your orders. I promise to submit myself to all that you desire of me and to accept all that you permit to happen to me. Let me only know your will. Okay, so that's one of my morning prayers. So every morning I'm asking God to give me holiness and happiness in the midst of what I'm going through right now. And I'm going to tell you, I think a lot of people, once they understand what joy is, they say, okay, I get it. I get it. So people misunderstand joy with happiness. Happiness is external. Okay. If you have a, you know, a good dinner, cold beer, the pizza, watch watch something that you like on television. You could, you know, you could friends over that, that, that you like good company. You're going to be happy. You're going to be happy. You're going to be, you know, you're going to be elated, but joy is something different. Joy is something internal. Joy comes from not what's happening outside around us, wars, corrupt medical system, unelected president, uh, uh, weak leaders in the, uh, amongst the U.S. bishops. Uh, if you look at all of that, you can get melancholy and you can get sad and, and full of sorrow. Joy comes from the certitude that we believe in the promises of Jesus Christ of Nazareth when we die. That we will be rewarded. It's internal. Again, I'm going to repeat. Joy is believing in the promises of Jesus Christ of Nazareth when you die. That he's going to reward you very soon. That's where joy comes from. And, and th that's why you can have people like St. Paul. Who are being beaten with rods. Who's being whipped and thrown in prison. And he says... Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And he's probably got, uh, you know, marks on his back from the welts of the whipping. And yet he can say that. Why can he say that? Because his joy is internal. It's not what's happening to his body. It's not what's happening all around in the persecution. It's what's inside of him is that in his soul, he knows that if he perseveres to the end, he knows that he's going to, he has a certitude of receiving the reward of eternal life based on the promises of the one that we know that cannot deceive or cannot be deceived, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And more and more, Doug and Father, I really hold to the, 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 those, those passages in the book of Psalms. There's at least two Psalms that say, do not put your trust in men, put your trust in the Lord. More and more, as I get older, I see how true that is. And so again, right now my body, I got pizza on my ribs. Now my, my family goes, here comes a pizza, man. You know, everybody's joking around the house. I got one of the worst cases of shingles. My doctor said that when he saw me, he jumped back 
Well, I saw, I saw, he jumped back about two feet. He goes, I've been a family practitioner for 15 years. He goes, you got the worst case of shingles I've seen in Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. He said, uh, he, I, 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 my ribs look like pizza. I am in so much pain right now. So if I'm to measure my joy based on what my body feels, my body feels like it's being electrified inside by a thousand volts. Uh, my body is in pain, but my joy is internal. My soul knows whatever happens to me, I know that if I live and die in a state of sanctifying grace, I'm going to receive the rewards of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I will make it to heaven. Yeah, I'll probably bounce a couple of times in purgatory, but I have the certitude in the near future of banking on the promise of Jesus Christ. That's internal despite what's happening to my body, despite what's happening in this country, despite what's happening in, in, over in Ukraine. No, I, I was listening to, and, and it's so true, Jesse, um, that joy is so deep. It's so internal. And as I was listening to it, I was thinking of the two most powerful moments of my life. One was when I, on my 23rd birthday, it was just a make or break moment. What, what the heck are you going to do with your life, Rick? And, uh, and, and God, what do you want me to do? And in that moment, I fell so deeply in love with God. Uh, and I can't explain it. It was June 24th, 1981, that my 23rd birthday. And by day's end, I had my parents convinced and we had made contact with the vocation director. I fell in love totally with God in one day and decided I was going to become a priest. The next time was uh, on the Feast of the Presentation, February 2nd, 1988, or uh, 98. I was 10 years a priest. I was in Rome, and I was with John Paul II, and I saw the glory of God in that beautiful basilica and the precision of, of all those there and the incense and the glorious sacred music. And all it was, I, my heart is starting to pound like it was then. And, and I fell deeply in love with God. But what happened to me? I, I believe I, 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 I hit a moment where I allowed the Holy Spirit, the gift of fear of the Lord, enter in. And I fell head over heels in love with God. That's joy. That's where the joy, that's, that's what feeds the joy. Once we let ourselves do that, then, then there's, it's, it's nothing, else, <clears throat> nothing else matters in our life than to please God. You're amazing. I love you so much. What do you want me to do? The, the, I, I just, I love you so much. And he'll say to us, I, I love that you love me because I've always loved you. But now take our love and bring it to everybody else. You know, uh, love God. Yes. But then what flows from that is you love your neighbor. And that's where the deep joy comes from. And I, I'll never forget those two amazing times in my life. And by the way, if some people might've clicked that, um, my 23rd birthday was on the uh, birthday of John the Baptist, June 24th, 1981, which I connected the dots about five years ago, that that was actually the first day that Our Lady started appearing in Medjugorje, and, uh, which is pretty amazing. And I, I fell head over heels and said I want to be a priest. And I love my priesthood, every second of it. I never regretted it. So uh, anyway, uh, please, everyone, you know, open yourself up. Let God in and watch what happens. And you'll discover a joy, if you haven't already, you'll discover a joy that you've never understood before, an incomprehensible joy that, again, starts with, I just want to please you, God. And then God speaks to you and says, 
okay, here's how you please me. Bring that joy now to everyone around you. Wouldn't you say that's true, Jesse? Absolutely. Uh, Father, you, you know, you, 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 it's, it's internal. It's something that the world can't take away from you. Right. You know, there, it doesn't matter what's happening all around us. Uh, it, it's, it's something that comes from the depths of the soul. Right. And, and uh, that, that's why, think, you want to see joy in the midst of, take a look at the Maccabean brothers and the mother who watched her sons one at a time executed. And you know what? She had joy because she knew where they were going. And she didn't, that's why she didn't say, there, stop, stop, you're killing my son, please, please. And, you know, have a, have a panic attack. She knew where they were going. That's joy. Joy is something internal. Joy is something that Fauci, Klaus Schwab's Biden, the CCP, uh, the Great Reset, the Globe, they can't take that away from us. They could try to take away our rights, our guns. They could, they're going to keep pushing to do everything they can. But, but joy is internal. It's something that God gave us, and, and it's cultivated by faith. By the way, it's not emotional. It's not a matter of feeling. It isn't, right. No, it's not right. emotional. Uh, anybody whose faith is guided by emotions is going to be out of the church in no time. Right. Yeah, because uh, faith is not an emotion. Uh, if, if, you know, if emotions are fleeting. Our faith is based on, it's based on, the revealed truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And by the way, I didn't see it. I wasn't there. But I believe this based on the authority of the Catholic Church, based on the reliable eyewitnesses, tr trustworthy eyewitnesses that saw this and have communicated this to us throughout the centuries through the Holy Spirit. No, I didn't see any of it. That's, that's true. That's what's called the gift of faith or the virtue of faith. You believe, but you haven't seen but I've seen all kinds of evidence for the power and the reality of Jesus Christ. And, and so for me, uh, it's, it's, it's to me, uh, I, I think, I think I would be foolish, right? I, I, I actually think that somebody who does not believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, these people are, 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 it's, it's a blind leap into the dark. Yeah. I, and I want to emphasize something too. You just said, both of you that in, in Jess, you brought it out as it for the audience here. Joy is not emotion. Um, and so when you see people out there who might not look the happiest, they're not walking around with that Pollyanna smile, that doesn't mean that in their heart they don't have a joy because they recognize the truth of what obviously you've both just pointed out there so clearly, that there is something about knowing the truth so that even in the midst of the trial, even in the midst of knowing food shortages and threat of World War III or the people who are dealing with the horrible situation in Ukraine, Poland, the refugees, all of this, if we know that we are in that situation with God where the relationship is good, where the state of grace is present, where, where we're striving, you know, praying that daily rosary, knowing that you're a sinner, but you're hanging in there, you're trying, you're grinding it out, there should be a joy in that just that you know you're trying to move forward. God acknowledges and recognizes the perseverance. He does not leave you on the side of the road. I just think it's so important to emphasize that because people say, well, I don't feel joyful. And again, it's not about the feeling. I mean, that's a nice little fringe benefit if you get that. But in general, the joy of just knowing, knowing, knowing that you're loved. It's never enough, honestly, never enough to just, you know, just to think, gosh, you know, it would be great, you know, if I could feel this or that. No, it's got to go deeper. And the knowledge of that 
depth of love of, of God, depth of love of friends and family and others just really can set somebody on fire, no matter what the challenge and the difficulty is. I mean, you're sitting there suffering right now, Jesse, with the pizza ribs going on there, yep. but, uh, you know, that you're loved by your friends, you're loved by your wife and your family. I mean, that, you know, and, and by God, and, and you can do something with this suffering, but just the knowledge of the love, even in the midst of trial and suffering can do so much for someone. Do you think that's accurate? You think that's true? That's absolutely true. Uh, and that's why, again, we have to go back to the definition of faith, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith <coughs> is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the men of old received divine approval. By faith, we understand that the world is created by the word of God, so that what is seen was made out of things which do not appear. So again, faith is a virtue. <laughs> it's a gift. And when we exercise it, it's, it's a virtue. In other words, we believe, not, not like uh, the, the wicked Israelites at the time of Christ, <clears throat> they were always asking for a sign. Lord, give us a sign, give us a sign. What did he say? He says, only a wicked and sinful generation seeks a sign. No sign will be given to you except the sign of, of, of Jonah in the belly of the whale. In other words, Jesus Christ is saying, the only sign I'm going to give the world, I'm going to rise from the dead after I've been killed. I'll, be, I'll lay three days in a tomb in Jerusalem, and I'm going to raise this body that was, dis, that was pummeled for 18 hours. I'm going to raise this body from the dead. That's all you need to know, the resurrection. That's the sign. That what I said is true. And guess what? That's good enough for me. <laughs> you know, I, I always think, especially I, I tell people that lately, you know, there's a Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And I've been leaning into the Father for some reason lately, even to the point where Abba is translated in our modern language like dad. Um, and so that intimacy and, and that, that Father-Son relationship. And I, I, I think of him as... A perfect dad. So what is he what what do dads want to bring out in each one of us? The best of who we are. And so, but he realize and, and tries to teach us that uh it's through effort, right? Or I've been using the word strive, striving lately. And and you know, we, we talked about this early in the show where you know I, I had been mentioning that I think that the the two most prominent manifestations of, of the demons in the last two years, especially has been rage and division. You know, that's the way the devil works is somebody, I, I heard some uh, radical person speaking and they, they were calling for a summer of rage. And I went, Oh my gosh, you could have used any word that meant anger. And you actually chose that one. Uh, but rage and division. Uh, I, I, I'd like our li listeners to, to, to just be careful. Um, that you're not caught up because if we're not well connected to God and his will and his love in our lives, right now the demons, I, I heard one priest say that j just recently the devil emptied hell of all, all the demons in the moment where we're living right now. That's how bad it is. But it's easy for us to, uh, to get at each other's throat, to find fault, you know, to pick at each other to take exception. Do you see what I'm doing there? It's, it's a rage and it's a division. 
It's, it's keeping us separated from each other. When God is all about the joy, okay, versus rage. And, and again, the desire to want to love and, 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 and help your neighbor. And then the, the, not division, but unity. You know, we're the remnant. We need to come together, united in God's love and his truth. Okay, we're being lied to. But, but what we need right now, and I'll end with this, is I keep pointing to, I don't think it's an accident that Pentecost this coming Sunday lands the day before the anniversary of D-Day. Because I think it's our time that, that we sat idly by, and I, as I look at World War II, in a lot of ways that's what's happened. The, that Nazi regime should not have been, had an easy time of it like it did, and it did until all of a sudden the allied forces said no mas no more and they got strong they got united and they hit the beaches of normandy okay i i, I just think we're heading toward that time right now the devil has had an easy time with us because we've been into us in, uh, uh, in other words ourselves instead of god and each other and i i just think Now's the time for us to uh, disembark from those boats and storm the beaches of Normandy, spiritually speaking. Jesse? Yeah, Father, I would just say to wrap it up, I would just say that what does the church expect of us, every baptized Catholic? This is, this is uh, again, brought out of the Baltimore Catechism. The church expects us to do our daily duties according to our state in life. Yep. I'll repeat again. The church expects us to do our daily duties according to our state in life. And what is what is what what, what undergirds our daily duties? Striving for holiness, as the right. Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, or as Vatican II says, the universal call to holiness. We are called to be holy farmers, mailmen, uh, school teachers, housewives. Uh, you know, retired people at an, at an old folks home, uh, uh, young army soldier, wherever you're at, as you're a baptized Catholic, you're called to be holy, do your daily duties in your state in life, whatever, whatever it is you're doing right now, whatever God has called you to do. And also, <clears throat> we're called to make our, our houses little churches. Yeah. If every single Catholic family, the domestic church, their house a domestic church. Where there were, were, I mean, where the demons just see, uh, you know, arrows being fired out of that house into the cosmos, morning, midday, and evening, prayers firing out of every house. If every Catholic would turn their house into a little castle, you know, uh, and, and spiritually speaking, uh, with archers firing off arrow prayers into the air, uh, we would change our, our cities, our states, and our countries. Yep. We have to think none of us has an S on our chest. We're not Superman. We don't have a big M on our chest. We're not the Messiah. There's only one person who fits that bill. That's Jesus Christ. He's the only S savior of the world. The rest of us, we're called to do our daily duties. Uh, General Patton said, he says, duty is the essence of manhood. Duty is the essence of manhood. And so every Catholic man is called to lead, protect, and provide his family from this life into the next. And every Catholic man is called to be holy in his state in life. And that way, the rest of the family is saying, wow, dad's holy, grandpa's holy, uncle's holy, and you're worthy of imitation.
fathers, I think that's a great place to wrap it. Yeah. Um, we're at about an hour right now. Yeah. Yeah. That Jesse get, the, get that awesome. duty done. Yeah. What God has created us for what, what, you know, the essence of who we are mm -hmm. and for each person that can be, uh, you know, individual to them, but, but in essence though, and, and this is the point I think all three of us are making is that that ripple effect, the, the, uh, the ripples in the pond, we, we need to continue to reach out, reach out, reach out. And I always like, um, uh, in terms of striving, I, my, my favorite coach of all time was coach Vince Lombardi. He said, we'll never be perfect, but if we chase perfection, we'll catch excellence. Mm -hmm. So let's strive. All right. Let's end with a prayer in the name of the father, son, the Holy spirit. Amen. Come Holy spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. May almighty God bless you. The father, the son and the Holy spirit. Amen. Amen.